Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Hello and welcome to His Mighty Hand, a ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located right here in Greenville, Texas. Today's program is a special edition of His Mighty Hand. We bring you the entirety of a message by Dr. Chet Haney. You won't want to miss a single moment. These are special messages for special times. And thank you for joining us and speaking for Highland Terrace and for His Mighty Hand. We truly pray that this is not just another media presentation but rather something that truly will allow you to be touched by the mighty hand of God. Now here's Pastor Chet Haney. To begin fall, our government has set aside a day to honor and to commemorate the hard work that's gone into building our nation, the achievements of the American worker, Labor Day, I want to take a moment today, if I may, and uh, pause in our study of John's gospel, verse by verse. We're about to finish John chapter 11, and Lord willing, we'll be back there next Sunday. But I want to speak about work because it's a blessing. In fact, it could be one of the greatest blessings. It could be actually a lot of fun to work. It could be very fulfilling And it can be a way to honor God with your life. Basically, you have a choice every day. You can sit around and waste the day and watch TV and, you know, play computer games, I guess. Or you can make something of that day and make something of yourself in the process. You can make yourself useful, can't you? You can do things, and uh, at the end of the day, when you've worked hard and you're worn out from working, you find out what good sleep can really be like, can't you? Because the Lord gives his beloved ones sleep, and there's nothing like the sleep after a day of hard work. I have a friend up in uh, Oklahoma named Dave uh, Gainich. And went to Israel with us this past uh, February, brought his wife and brought uh, a couple of friends with him. Dave is just a, he is a salty, salt of the earth, um, Oklahoma oil hand who worked hard and made something of himself. And I was visiting him. I was invited to visit them on his eight thousand acre ranch in Oklahoma. You know, Dave told me he'd take me out to uh, see a pavilion they had built at the church where I was invited to preach a couple times uh, during my visit on Sunday morning and Sunday night. It's a beautiful pavilion that we ought to um, consider uh, taking a look at sometime, maybe as an example, something we might want to do. And on the way back to the house, you know what he told me? He said, Chet, 
He just felt inspired to tell me something. He said, our American system is set up so that if you apply yourself at whatever you do, you can be immensely rewarded. I thought, wow, we just had a moment. And I just learned something from Dave. The key is that word, apply yourself. Now today, I want to focus an angle of the lens of Scripture on the thought of applying yourself, but not for yourself. Matter of fact, I want to speak on generous efforts and unselfish personal industry with a message entitled, Labor for Your Neighbor. Would you all allow me to explore that thought today? Because there are a lot of verses, as you know, and thoughts in the scripture about your neighbor. The good Samaritan was good because he was a good neighbor. And Jesus elevated him as an example of what a neighbor ought to be. Romans 15, 2 tells us this, that we ought to please not ourselves, but our neighbor, and build them up. Now, wouldn't that make you something on your street if you had the stated goal to build up all your neighbors and to bless them? Well, that's a different way of thinking these days. You'll find yourself swimming upstream a little bit to live your life for the sake of being a blessing to your neighbor and to build them up and not yourself And of course, there are many others, but there's also the golden rule and the royal law, Matthew 7, 12, and James 2, 8, which teaches us to treat others as we ourselves want to be treated and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So today, we're going to celebrate Labor Day as if it were Neighbor Day, and we're going to focus on working unselfishly. Specifically with these three thoughts. Number one, God in the beginning ordained that man should find his fulfillment working. Did you know that? God has given us from the very beginning a capacity and a desire and a hunger to work. It's not just part of the curse in the fall. Before the fall. Uh, God said uh, that he created man in order to give him charge of the Garden of Eden so that he could tend the garden and keep the garden, that is, to work it. This was God's design, desire for man. And the Bible tells us that that man God created was created in the image of God who, according to the same chapter, Genesis chapter 2, back in verse 3, the Bible says on the seventh day, God rested from all his labors, from the work that he had done in creating the world. He sanctified the seventh day. Because of everything he had done, it was good. All the work that God had done. Can I tell you something about this world and this universe that we're living in? God made it. And he did a good job. He worked at it creatively and lovingly and marvelously. Our world is so intricately fit together. If our orbit of the earth around the sun was just a few inches off, we'd either burn up or freeze to death. So delicate is the balance, the 
beauty of the universe that God has created so perfectly he made it for us. He worked at it. So this was God's design. And when we fell, when we sinned, we got away from God's design. But I want to show you a verse that has a full cycle in one verse that gets us all the way back from our perversion of God's plan to the fulfillment of God's plan. And it's way over in Ephesians chapter 4. Would you turn there, please? Ephesians 4, 28. And as we look at this verse, I want us to see if we can try to discover with me, you sports fans, a batter hitting for the cycle. Because you can find it in this one verse. Now, you know what that means, ladies, don't you? Hitting for the cycle. That means in one game. You get a single and a double and a triple and a home run. It's pretty hard to do, but it happens sometimes. A player will hit for the cycle. Now let's look first at the single that's in verse 28 of Ephesians chapter 4. Here's the single. The Bible says that this is elementary, this is simple, this is easy to understand. Anyone who steals should steal no longer. That is, if you're a thief, stop it. Cut it out. You're not supposed to take what you didn't work for, what you haven't earned. Now, folks, that's first base. Don't steal from your place of employment or anyone else for that matter. Did you know this week a lady in Dothan, Alabama, was caught stealing from the uniform shop where she worked? She was taking uniforms that hadn't even been sold yet, and she was returning them and putting the money on her debit card. $1,024 she stole, and she has now a $1,000 bail because she got arrested. Didn't work out too good for her, did it? That's called stealing. If you take something that isn't yours, you're never going to find the fulfillment that God gave your heart a craving for from doing work with your own hands. Now, here's the double. The thief, first of all, should steal no longer. The double is he must work doing something useful with his own hands. You know who my neighbor used to be, Joe? Steve Reed, guy that worked with you in your office, he lived right down the street from me, and we got to be pretty good friends. I was sorry when he moved out of town, not because he was our mayor, but because I enjoyed getting to know him and hanging out with him. And you know what he told me one time? He said, man, I just don't like to watch TV. He said, I can't stand to sit around doing nothing at my house. I'm either going to be working on a project or I'm going to be fixing something. I'm going to be making something. I'm going to be working. I don't do nothing. And I love that about him. You know what? Our town benefited from that philosophy while he was our mayor. He worked hard at being a good mayor for us while he was here. And I'm thankful for our current mayor as well. Steve did a lot of work And he found a lot of work to do. He found something useful to do. And because he decided to do something with his hands, to make something, to fix something, to do something, you know, he found a lot of fulfillment. Dave Ramsey says, you ought to go out and kill something and drag it home. You know, find a way to do something useful with your life. 
And that's what the scripture says here. Your hands are given to you uh, so that you can do something for the Lord's glory and for your own benefit. I learned so much when I was a kid reading uh, Thomas Stanley's book, The Millionaire Next Door. You know what I found out? Wealth builders in America hardly ever win the lottery. They hardly ever get an inheritance. They're hardly ever given anything, and they're not doctors and lawyers. You know who they are? Plumbers, dry cleaners, and roofers, hardworking people who have built a life for themselves, and they're very frugal. I'm talking 75 to 85 percent of the wealth builders in this country. Stanley studied it, and he wrote it up. It's amazing. People in this country who have worked are the ones who have built this country and made it what it is today. Now, here's the triple. You get work, you get paid. How about that? That they may have something, the Bible says. Ephesians 4.28. What a blessing. The one who steals... Steals no longer, rather let him labor. Guess what? He went out and got a job. And when he got a job, he went to work, he got paid. Now, he might not have gotten paid right away. He might have had to wait a while before his first paycheck came. But when that first paycheck came, guess what? It had his name on it. Because he worked and he made something with his own hands He had a paycheck that he could take a little bit of pride in. You know, I had a lot of jobs. I was blessed to have so many jobs before I ever became a pastor. I've been a school bus driver. I've worked for Joel Ward Auto Parts. I've been a Dr. Pepper man. I've been a factory worker building oil field pumping units. I've unloaded boxcars full of 50-pound sacks of lime. May I never have to do that one again. I have been a ride operator at Six Flags, my very first job, and I was even a men's department salesman at Sanger Harris, even though I was colorblind. It was the most funny thing. People would walk up to me with this shirt. They'd say, can you find me something that would match this? I was too proud to admit that I was colorblind. So I'd take them all and say, come on, let's, I bet we can find something to go with that. And <laughs> I'd find them something, suggest they'd say, I never would have thought of wearing those two things together. And then they'd buy it. It was the funniest thing. Sanger Harris never had a men's department guy like me, I promise you. But of all those jobs, which were so different, every one of them had one thing in common. And that was a check with my name on it. It might not have been much, but thanks to those jobs, I had something. You know, when I was a little boy, I mowed yards. You know how much I made? Not 50 bucks. I made five bucks a yard, and that is with clippings bagged. It was hard work to mow those yards up and down my street. Sometimes I mowed them a little too short, and they'd complain. And sometimes I had to learn as I was going. But you know, at the end of that summer, when I was a junior high kid, 12 or 13 years old, I had something like $270 of my own money. And my dad took me down to the Schwinn Bicycle Shop in Montgomery, Alabama, and I bought the shiniest new, brand new Schwinn 10-speed bicycle they had, orange colored. It was a beautiful bike. I bought it with my own money. And it was such a feeling of being able to have something that I got with my own hands. Now, watch out, because we don't want to miss the cycle. Now, if you're going to hit for the cycle, 
Don't forget the home run. You see, giving means more when you earned what you give. Now look at this. The Bible says, let him labor with his hands that he may have something, that's your paycheck, to do what with? What does it say, church? Verse 28b. To give. Now isn't that something? Here's the guy who started out taking things that weren't his. He was a thief. And now the grace of God has worked that full cycle so completely that he's become the one who's giving to others who have a need. That's what God can do. That's the power of work when it's blessed and baptized and redeemed by the grace of our Lord Jesus. And I want to tell you, when you give to the uh, state missions offering or when you give to the building fund because you got inspired by Brother Ray's report this morning, it's going to be a blessing to you if that which you give is something you earned by your own work. Let it be so, Lord Jesus. Let me go out and, uh, you know, I had a girl went on a mission trip to Nicaragua with me. She made $4,000 to pay for her trip and her husband's by selling breakfast burritos $1 at a time in Arkansas. You don't think it meant a lot to her to get to be on that mission trip? She got to give to others because she decided to work. And God blessed it in such a powerful way. It's called hitting for the cycle. Now, one of the most famous labors of all, God made us this way. He designed us with a desire to work. He designed us with a capacity to give and to be a blessing. I want to tell you, your mother went to work for you when she went into labor and delivery. Oh, my goodness. Psalm 139.16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Before I had ever even lived a day, God already knew my days. They'd already been fashioned for me. God's plan for my life, I think the greatest earthly love perhaps of all and certainly the greatest labor of all is the labor of birth pains, labor and delivery. I can't even imagine. But you know what makes it all worth it? It all becomes worth it the first time you hear the precious cry of that precious little baby. Clean that baby up and give it to his mama. She wants to hold him. Not to diminish or to compare but I got a good friend sitting right here on the front row this week. I had in studio our own Mickey Pearson, who's soon going to be leaving us with his wife, Carol, to go up to Sherman, Texas, where they're going to be living. We're going to miss you, Mickey, and we appreciate so much your dedication to serve your church family as a faithful Sunday school teacher and a dear friend to many of us. And this week on our His Mighty Hand podcast, Mickey shared a story with us of two children that he and his wife loved so much and both of them happen to be adopted. Isn't that something? He and Carol have loved his son Brad and his daughter, what's her name, Elizabeth, uh, so much through the years, and they adopted them. They loved them not because they 
really had to, they chose to love them. Now, isn't that an amazing picture of the redemptive grace of our Lord Jesus? And aren't we all adopted into the family of God by faith? Aren't, aren't we saved in the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father? Isn't that a beautiful picture of redemption? The love of an adoptive parent. I told Mickey about Dois Ray. One of my friends who was driving down a dusty road in West Texas and his daughter Andrea, a beautiful teenage cheerleader in our first church, was riding in the back seat with one of her little cheerleader friends who blurted out something unfiltered. She knew that Andrea was adopted. And Dois was listening to all this conversation that was going on in the back seat with his wife sitting right beside him. And uh, this little girl in the back said to Andrea, do you ever think about your real parents and she said I sure do there they are right there mom and dad that's my real mom and dad and they were they had earned it by the work of adoption and by the love you know a famous inner city preacher I heard him say one time you're not a man because you can make a baby you're a man if you can raise a baby I want to tell you something about labor and work. It's not easy to raise children in this day and time. It can be a little messy in more ways than one. And I'll tell you another thing. Rebirth is not easy either. Have you tried to win somebody to the Lord lately? I don't know if it's just me. It seems to me like it's getting more and more difficult to influence people and to share with people and to win them to Christ But you know what, folks? We are called as the church to do the work of an evangelist. And I don't care if it's easy or hard. If God's called us to do it, we better get about the business of obeying God. Can I just say it's worth it? It's so worth it to hear the shout of a newborn soul and to get them on the disciples' path in the highlands where we walk together as companions on the journey. And let me share with you one last thought about work. It was our Lord Jesus on the cross who worked the work of our salvation until he could say, it is finished. I'm so thankful Jesus didn't quit. He could have. He was tempted. He was tempted. He he said, what shall I say? Uh, The hour has come and my soul is deeply troubled, but what am I going to say, Lord? Take this cup from me? (laughs) That's exactly what he did say in the garden. He couldn't stand it anymore. He said, Father, please take this cup from me. And yet, he said, not my will, but thine be done. It was for this purpose that I was sent here to this very hour. Jesus had some work to do, and he did it on the cross. He did the work of our salvation. Now, let me tell you something. According to Philippians chapter 2, you want to just flip over there right quick? Let me just show you something. In Philippians chapter 2, talking about the work of salvation, it's complete. You can't improve it. It's finished, and you cannot add to a finished work. So why in the world would God say this to us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12? Now much more, brethren, work out your salvation in fear 
and in trembling. And now here's the mystery, verse 13. For it is God who works in you. We don't work for our salvation. We work it out. And as we do, we find ourselves saying, wow, where did that come from? You just got filled with the Spirit. That's where that came from. And it was God who was working in you. Wow, God just took my little obedience and he did something wonderful. How did that happen? I'll tell you how that happened. You got busy working out your salvation and God decided to bless it with the power of the Holy Spirit. It was God who was working in you. One of these days we're going to find when we get to heaven, it's all worth it. Because we have something to give. Glory to our Heavenly Father. And hope to our lost neighbors who need to know Jesus. Would you pray for my lost neighbors? I've been living on, uh, I used to live on Ambassador Street. Isn't that something? And now I live on Blue Bonnet. Been seven years living on Blue Bonnet and had one neighbor baptized so far. I got a lot of work to do. Would you help me pray for my neighbors? And uh, I'll pray for your neighbors. Let's pray that God will use us to bless them because it's neighbor day. And our labor on neighbor day is important. Would you pray with me right now? Father God, I thank you so much for the blessing, Lord, of, uh, of labor and work and opportunities that you give us, Lord, to be a blessing to someone else, Lord. We don't want to live all about ourselves. That's such a shallow place. We want to join the psalmist who said, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. Lift us up, Lord Jesus, to the highlands. That as members of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, we could find this rock to stand on. A rock of unselfishness and a rock of generosity and a rock that's not primarily concerned with our own preferences and our own comfort and our own blessings, our own entertainment. Father, we want to be useful servants in your hands. We want to be about the mission, the local mission right here in our mission field of winning people to Jesus. Father, so many neighbors, 18,000 of them or so, something like that, who are not going to anybody's church right here in Greenville.
today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 